Good morning, friends. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, but I can often create misconceptions about who Jesus is. Have you ever been there? Well, stay tuned because we're going to uh, have a clear picture of Jesus today. Well, welcome back. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. And so we're excited, um, obviously, not just because we're Pentecostals, but <laughs> because Pentecost Sunday holds significance in the Christian church, in the Christian calendar, mm -hmm. in the history of humanity. And so I want to just start today by reading from, uh, from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And just, we're going to take a moment just to kind of dialogue and reflect mm -hmm. on what the significance of this moment is. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now later, Paul, or, uh, Paul, yeah, not, not yet. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Peter is uh, going to stand before the people of Jerusalem and he's going to speak to what the significance of this moment is. And mm -hmm. he references the prophet Joel, of course, in this famous sermon. Yes. Really, I mean, you could argue the first sermon of the church. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it really changed the game that that moment, and it was a, a promise that mm -hmm. people like that believers had been waiting for since Jesus like ascended back up into heaven. And so um, I can just imagine the like trepidation of of waiting and praying and like hoping on hope, <laughs> um, and just to have that moment where like the the church was born, that first sermon was preached. Um, would have just been such a significant moment. Yeah, and, and, and then and as I was preached, it was more than just words. It was a yep. revelation of the Spirit mm -hmm. in the lives of about 3,000 people that came into the body of Christ that day yeah. in that moment. Um, so yeah, it signifies the birth of the church. Yep. And so we are all a part of that great um, heritage mm -hmm. of the church being established, but it also represents the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right? Jesus, when he was on earth, was um, in many ways, he, what, what would you say? He self-contained himself mm -hmm. to just a, a, an individual person. So right. he only had so much he could do. He was constrained um, by his physical body. Right. And yet he rose again and then he sent the spirit who is not constrained. Mm -hmm. No constraints. Yep. Uh, global, worldwide. Uh, moving in the hearts and, and lives of men and yeah, women. And, and it's so cool that, that that's kind of the, the message of Pentecost or, or one of the messages of Pentecost is that previously there was only one kind of people group that were like mm -hmm. allowed to experience God's presence and, and be a part of his people. And so uh, to hear that invitation open for all, for men and women, every like tribe, tongue, background, yeah. uh, to be able to like receive that gift, um, all of a sudden this like flood of inclusivity opened yes. uh, for anybody who wanted to receive it. Yes, we were talking in the office before this, like the, Christianity really is, in some ways it is exclusive in that it is a right. narrow way through the work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we have to accept that and receive that. Yes. But it's like 
the most inclusive yeah. in the work of the spirit and the work of that revelation of Jesus in this world. And that's just a great heritage to be a part of and, yeah, and a great movement to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So today we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And so we hope that wherever you find yourself, that you would just sense the spirit with mm -hmm. you and that we would uh, continue to just hold hope for the future, yep. uh, that he would continue to convince us mm -hmm. that Jesus is King and Lord over all, uh, despite what we see around us, he is King. Mm -hmm. And so we just, uh, we're going to open a prayer and then we're going to turn it over to Pastor Lisa, who's going to give us uh, just a continued walk through the life of Jesus yep. as we continue our series in the gospel of John. So Lord, we thank you this Pentecost Sunday for the pouring out of the spirit of God. And we pray, Lord, that in this moment that we would we would sense your spirit, but more importantly, Lord, we would be changed and renewed by your spirit. Mm -hmm. That God, you would, you would just continue to establish your church. You would continue to build your church. You would continue that process as you did on that very first day of revealing Jesus as the truth to all those that hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are here with us, your presence. We acknowledge your presence with us, wherever we're watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to turn it over to Pastor Lisa. Have you ever witnessed anything truly awe-inspiring? You know those moments that just urge you to stop? They kind of just take your breath away. You know that you're witnessing something miraculous something that's gonna make you truly marvel at who God is. Well, I would love to hear about a moment that was awe-inspiring for you, so put it down in the comments below. Let's share our awe-inspiring moments together. Well, I have had many awe-inspiring moments over my life. I have marveled at the birth of my children as I've held them in my arms and just been overcome with rejoicing of how incredible God is as their creator, of how he intricately knit them together. I've had awe-inspiring moments as I've heard some of your stories and lived through my own of when God has answered prayer miraculously. Moments that urge me to stop and to rejoice in his faithfulness and in his might. I've had moments uh, where I've been in the midst of creation that are awe-inspiring. Maybe it's just one of those sunsets or a gurgling brook or the majesty of the ocean that are awe-inspiring and they urge me to stop and to reflect on who God is and how all of creation points us to him and how creative he is and how vast he is, his ability to create all that we see with just a word. And yet if I'm really honest, for as many awe-inspiring moments that I've been privy to and I have responded correctly when I have stopped and, and allowed it to point my eyes back towards God, there are many moments that should have been awe-inspiring that I've neglected, that I've overlooked, that I've 
just turned away from. And maybe that's because of skepticism or, or competition, where I wish that God would do that in my own life, so I'm gonna pout instead of rejoice. Or maybe that's just busyness, and I walk right past without even seeing the miracle. But for whatever reason, I've allowed something to replace my wonder and my delight in what God has done. So this morning, we're gonna dive back into John chapter five and we're gonna kind of pick back up at this moment in history that Pastor Lucas began speaking with us about last week. Um, and we're gonna see, we saw this encounter with this man and now we're gonna see this encounter with some of the Jewish leaders this moment that should have been awe-inspiring, but rather than being full of wonder, rather than being full of rejoicing, they were full of animosity. They were full of hatred. They allowed something else to cloud their view and they missed out on what God had done in the life of this man. So turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 5 verses 16 to 23. John chapter 5 verses 16 to 23. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. You can download a Bible right there to any of your devices. But if you were in Powell River, we would also love to get you a paper Bible. There's a form there you can fill out easy peasy. We'll get it to you. But right now we're going to turn to John chapter 5 verses 16 to 23. And so let's just kind of reflect back on what it is in the beginning part of this chapter, what we were talking about last week. And that is that Jesus has come to the pool of Bethesda. And the pool of Bethesda was surrounded by people who needed a physical miracle. And they believed that when the waters started stirring, if they could be the first one in there, they would be healed. And so Jesus comes to this man who has been there for 38 years. And he does something awe-inspiring. He does something miraculous. And he heals him in just a heartbeat. And this man takes up his mat and he walks at the command of Jesus. And then this man encounters the Jewish leaders and they question him and he points them back to Jesus. And that's what we're going to pick up on, on verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Let's pray. So God, we thank you again for the truth of your word. 
And I thank you that we have all of these moments written down for us. Some as moments where um, we can be inspired by the faith of people, by how they place their whole trust on you, how they were dependent on you. And then we have moments of cautionary tales, of times when we can, we can look and take it as a warning to not react the same. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help us to wrestle with your voice and the, the misconceptions that we have about without who you are and what you call us to. Would you lead us into truth this morning? Because where you are, where your truth is, that's where freedom is and that's where we want to stay. So would you bring us back to that place in your precious name? Amen. Amen. Well, an encounter with Jesus is polarizing. <laughs> As we heard last week, uh, Jesus asked this man, do you want to be healed? Do you actually want to embrace all of the things that are going to go along with what I'm going to do in your life. And this is no exception. An encounter with Jesus is polarizing. And so what do we do with him? Do we, like this healed man, allow the miraculous in our lives, allow the freedom that we experience, the healing that we experience to spur us on to live a different life, that spur us on to share the good news of Jesus with others? Or, like these Jewish leaders, do we get trapped in our preconceived ideas about who God is and what following him means and get stuck in the traps of legalism and elitism and in doing so miss out on the wonder, miss out on the awe-inspiring, miss out on the miracle because we're too focused on what we think is freedom. And so the beginning of this misunderstanding that these Jewish leaders have with Jesus is the day that he chose to heal this man. Now, it might seem like lights up, like it's not a really big deal, but it was. It was a great deal for these Jewish leaders. We know that the Pharisees were often so glued to the letter of the law that they missed the heartbeat of the law. And this is another one of those moments. And we know that in the law, one of the, the big things was the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, no one was supposed to work, not even your animals. In fact, there were some uh, Pharisees and Sadducees that were so devout, they wouldn't even go to the bathroom on the Sabbath. They would do no work. And so in the case of these Jewish leaders that are witnessing this man walking, this violation was twofold. This man is holding his mat. That would have been work. That would have been effort. That would have been strain. Not allowed. But also, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day, which also would have been work. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. See, it's important to remember that the original intention behind God's heart for this law, why did he put it there in the first place? 
And it wasn't to create a culture where no one could do anything on the seventh day of the week, not even use the washroom. I don't think that was God's heartbeat for us. Instead, it was this gift of rest. It was a reminder built into our week to pause in the busyness of life, to remember that we aren't the source of all that we have. We're not the source of our energy. We don't just have to muster it up. We're not the source of the things that we have. We aren't our own provider, but God is. It was a reminder to place our faith and our trust in the one who has promised to take care of all of our needs. So we pause. We purposefully step back from doing to remind our spirit of who is in control. But it got so twisted in practice that this gift of God to rest, this gift of God to remember, became this prison of legalism. It became this prison where, where people were trapped in their nothingness. They were trapped in this idea that they literally could not do anything and they missed the distinction now i know that this is something that uh you know maybe your sabbath involves church maybe it's today or or maybe you work on sundays and so you put aside time on other days and i think that this is one of those those moments in the law where we maybe have a looser hold on it but i wonder how often i get held up on the distinction of other things that God has asked of me. I wonder how often I get caught up on the letter of the law, whatever that might be, that I forget the intention of it. And I take what was meant to be a gift, what was meant to be freedom and healing and wholeness, and I get it so twist up, twisted up in the doing of it that it becomes a prison. And it becomes something that shackles me to ritual and it shackles me to legalism and it isn't at all what God had originally defined for my life. And Jesus, I love this, wasn't concerned about exercising his power on the Sabbath. My father is at work to this very day and so am I. He wasn't concerned about it because Jesus knew what the Sabbath was for. The Sabbath wasn't for God's benefit. God doesn't slumber or sleep. He never stops working on our behalf. He doesn't take the seventh day of the week off and let the world just do what it does. He is always in control. He is always providing. He is always sustaining. He is always faithful. The Sabbath wasn't for God's benefit. It was for our benefit. And the Sabbath was this gift of freedom. It was a gift of freedom to remember who's in control that we aren't. It was this gift of freedom for rest. And it was a gift of freedom for reconnection. When you pause with your family, you get to reconnect from this world that is just running so fast and in so many different directions. And it's this gift of reconnection to God. When we, we pause, we pause to give him more of our attention. We pause to have space to listen. We pause 
And so Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day, and I love it because that's what the Sabbath is really about. The Sabbath is about allowing ourselves to be in such close proximity with Jesus that he heals the innermost places in our spirit. And Jesus knew that. He knew what Sabbath was for. Sabbath wasn't for nothingness. Sabbath was a beautiful gift of something, of the presence of God, of realigning our priorities and our thoughts to reflect who God is and our relationship with him. So what became, began as a gift became a prison to these leaders and then Jesus walks in and Jesus takes that which had been so twisted and he returns it to its original purpose. And in this intentional moment, he reveals the heart of God to us. He says, no, 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 don't get so caught up in the legalism of this that you forget my heart for you. Don't get so caught up in the legalism of this that you forget who I am, that I am the sustainer, that I am the one that brings you to righteousness, that I am. Friends, let's not miss it. Let's not be so caught up in looking like and sounding like and doing the right things in the name of the loss that we look like good Christians or we sound like good Christians and we, we take the gift of righteousness, we take the gift of being refined to look more and more like Jesus, we take the gift of a life that delights God and we twist it up in legalism to become a prison of do's and don'ts, shoulds and should nots. Let's not miss the miracles of God. Let's not miss the awe-inspiring moments when Jesus intervenes in someone's life because our heart is completely surrounded by this prison of legalism. Let's not miss it. Let's be delighted. Let's go back to the original purpose of Jesus freeing us, of Jesus coming in and in proximity with us, healing what was broken. Let's get back there. Let's allow our perspective to be shifted, our thoughts to be shifted, and get back to the gift of freedom rather than the prison of legalism. Let's be people with eyes open to see the miracle of the works of God. But John chapter 5 continues, and for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, which is bad, we know that, uh, but he was even calling God his own father and making self, himself equal with God. And so Jesus gave them this answer. And I love it because they didn't really confront him. Uh, Jesus just knew what they were thinking. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And yes, as he will show him even greater works than these, that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. See, not only was Jesus challenging the legalism of the culture, but he was challenging the elitism 
of the culture. He challenged the very essence of who should have access to the God of the universe. And again, if we're going by the letter of the law, that is a very small group of people whom these leaders were part of. Who would God take time to speak with if he were here on earth? Who would he honor? Who should be welcome in his presence? And according to the leaders, it should probably be them. If Jesus is declaring himself God, but he hasn't stopped to say anything nice to them, uh, there's something wrong here. According to these leaders, who God should spend time with was not the people he was spending time with. It wasn't those at the edge of society. It wasn't those who had fallen so far from God's grace in sin. It wasn't those that these leaders wouldn't ever be caught dead speaking with or acknowledging. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus had come and he had played the game. If he had come and he had catered to the elite. If he had come and he had, he had stroked the powerful. Would it be different? Would they have had such animosity and hatred building up in their heart? Would they have recognized him because he spent time with them like they wanted God to cater to them? But this Jesus wasn't who they expected and this Jesus didn't behave as they would expect. And, and this Jesus who was humble and compassionate and challenging and just, this wasn't the Jesus that they expected. This wasn't who God was gonna be when he came back, when the Messiah walked the earth. This wasn't who they expected. And yet this man who was humble this man who was compassionate, this man who challenged their thinking, this man who was perfectly just, said he was equal to God and yet had this attitude of submission and unity to God the Father. And this wasn't what they expected. And I wonder how often, just like those leaders, we can miss out on what God is doing because he isn't showing up like I expect him to. And what I'm seeing of God isn't the God that I'm expecting him to look like. I'm expecting him to cater to me when he's asking me to witness the miracle around me. When he's asking me to bow my knee in humility and wash feet like he did. And I would rather have my own feet washed. Thank you very much. And I wonder how often I miss what God is doing around me in my family and in my community and in this city because I miss the truth that these leaders missed, that God loves Everyone, that Jesus came to die for everyone, that there isn't a single person that isn't welcome in the presence of God. That is his heart for humanity if we will accept him. And so Jesus challenged these preconceived ideas and these notions of these Jewish leaders. That there isn't somebody that God loves more than someone else that that there isn't this hierarchy in the kingdom of God starting with the Son. 
starting with the son who bows his knee in surrender to the father, even though he's one with him, even though he's on equal playing field, equal level in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And in challenging these preconceived ideas, this elitism that had been birthed in this culture, Jesus reveals their heart to them. Because what we do with Jesus matters. Think about it. The character that we attribute to Jesus matters. The honor that we ascribe him matters. It reveals our relationship with the Godhead. If we despise Jesus, if we think that he's just a good man, if we uh, lower him because he is one with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because the Trinity, the three in one is one, we lower them all. We don't get to pick and choose a God that we serve. We, we take him as he is or we don't take him at all. So what we do with Jesus matters. Who we say he is matters. When we honor Jesus, we honor the Father. And Jesus is looking at these men and he's saying, what you do to me, how you treat me, reveals your heart towards God because we are one and the same. The way that you follow me reveals your obedience to the Father. The way that you honor me reveals your reverence to the Father because this isn't a pick and choose scenario, but it is a two-way street. Jesus reveals God back to us. The way that we think about Jesus, the way that we interact with him, what we do with him reveals our heart to God, but Jesus came to be flesh and blood here so that we could see God in action and he reveals the heart of God to us. The beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that we all come in broken. We all come in limping. We all come in on a completely level playing field. Nothing but the grace of God allows us to meet Jesus. And these Jewish leaders missed it. They missed it in getting it so misconstrued and twisted up. This elitism that was birth in the law, and they missed it. They missed the miraculous. Friends, let's not miss the miraculous. Let's not look down on the other broken people in the room that Jesus loves. Let's not forget the least of these because we are. There's no hierarchy. But Jesus reveals the heart of the Father to us that God so loved the entire world that Jesus came. That Jesus came. And we're going to learn more about that next week. Make sure you're here. So what do we do with Jesus? I don't know about you, but if I came face to face with somebody um, who for the past 38 years had been sitting in a city square Someone who I have probably walked past numerous times for 38 years. And all of a sudden, this person that I know is 
baking of the side of this pool that can't move on their own is now walking past me. I hope that I wouldn't miss that moment. I hope that I would be awestruck by God. I hope that my attitude wouldn't be one of condemnation and, and legalism and elitism, but I pray that seeing the awe-inspiring miracle, that coming face to face with the might and the power and the compassion of God in another broken person would be so incredibly gripping that it would cause me to pause and rejoice. But this is why, friends, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to check our hearts. Because the Jewish leaders aren't the only ones that get things twisted sometimes. They're not the only ones that get caught up in legalism and elitism. We're all guilty of that. That's why we need to come regularly and say, Lord, would you search me? Would you reveal those broken places? Would you put me back on the right path? Would you change my perspectives? Would you, would you break my heart once again? Would you mold me to look like you? Because we can get so caught up in substituting a look-like life with the real thing of a transformed life, that the gift of God becomes a prison. And the thing that was supposed to be a beautiful exchange that drew, drew us closer to God ends up drawing us away and making us jaded and skeptical with eyes closed to the miracles around us. And friends, I don't want to miss the miracles, I don't want to miss the awe-inspiring moments. I don't want to forget the glory of God. I want to witness it. I want to be somebody that is quick to see the beauty around me. I want to be someone who is quick to recognize when God is at work and marvel. But if we're not careful, our hearts are hardened. I just the normal things of life by getting caught up in all of the the shoulds, the woulds, the do's, the don'ts, and we forget to just stay soft before God. I don't want to get caught up in that and miss the awe-inspiring that God became flesh. That he made a way for me to find healing and freedom in him. And that he's at work doing the same thing in others around me. I don't want to miss it. Friends, let's not miss it. Let's be people who marvel and rejoice and stop absolutely awe-inspired <laughs> wherever we see God at work. And that is often. So I want to close by asking you to pray a scary prayer with me. To ask God to search us. To ask God to reveal to us the places where like these Jewish leaders who knew, they knew the law, but they got trapped in a prison of it. 
rather than embracing the gift of it. Let's ask the Lord to search us and to shift our perspectives once again, to open our eyes to the gift that he's given us and not to get caught up in the legalism and the elitism of it, where we start to think that we have it all and, and that God should be catering to us like these leaders did. I wanna ask you to be brave enough to pray this with me. Would you? Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So God, we, we ask you to search us and we give you permission to do that deep work of pruning that which needs to be pruned, of removing that which needs to be removed. Would you breathe life on dead places? Would you replace a soft heart for hearts that have been hardened? Would you bring us back to the joy of our salvation when we couldn't help but look around and see you at work and marvel in who you are? Would you bring us back to that place where we are so in awe of who you are and what you do around us when obedience is so easy, where we delight in you? Would you forgive us for the places where we've taken your gift of grace and we have misconstrued it and we have changed it into a prison of do's and don'ts and we miss out on your heart. Would you help us to have eyes to see you, to delight in you, to put our joy in you for you never fail. You never slumber and you never sleep, so you are at work right now. Help us to see it. We love you so much. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends. I'm gonna pass it back to Pastor Lucas and Pastor Marcus. Well, thank you, Lisa. And you know what, this Pentecost Sunday, I just pray that we lean into the Spirit who gives revelation of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and how, how we respond to him in this life. Mm -hmm. And so just a great reminder, and we just pray that we continue to walk in the spirit around who Jesus is and how we, how we respond. So we just have a few announcements. Yeah. So the first one is we're actually doing another hashtag challenge. So we have done hashtag date night. We've done hashtag we love PR. Uh, this upcoming one on June 4th is going to be hashtag family time. So we recognize that sometimes family is uh, a little bit of a fluid term where we know that we have like our nuclear families typically or our, our immediate families, but families are really also those people that you choose. And so we, we are encouraging you to be uh, very creative in how you do that because we know that family may be far away and with restrictions, all that stuff. So whether you have a Zoom call with your family, whether you meet one of your kids uh, for coffee out on a patio somewhere, or you, you even just like send them a, a, care, a care gift or something in the mail. Um, we would just love to see that. 
as we celebrate family together. And so if you take a picture of whatever that is, so whether it's a selfie, whether it's a picture of the care package you're sending or whatever that may be, and, and tag us, our, our Instagram and Facebook is at myevangel.church. And if you hashtag, hashtag, uh, family time, then we'll be able to repost that and just join together in celebrating our families. And so that's June 4th. Uh, it can happen any time in the day, so don't, mm -hmm. don't feel like you need to do it at a specific time, but we would love to just join together as family. And it's not about just being with family necessarily, it's about intentionality yes. around family. So that's just a fun challenge for every one of us. Let's make some memories that day. Yeah. So uh, speaking of family, we're part of a church family. Yes. And so part of being in community is being a part of community. And so on Thursdays at seven o'clock, we do have a, it is Zoom, mm -hmm. but it is good. We've yeah. had some good times together. Uh, we're going through the book of Colossians right now in a series, and it's been fun. And so we have those that have been there since day one, but we, if you want to jump in midway, you're welcome to. So that is Thursdays at seven o'clock. You can visit myevangel.church forward slash live to register or to jump on that. The links are right there. And then finally, if you want to continue to partner with what God is doing through our church and in our community and across the globe, uh, we would love and appreciate every penny that's given uh, to be able to continue to bless Pell River and, and to carry out the mission that we feel like Jesus has called us to here. So if you want to do that, if you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, it will give you all of the ways that you can do that as you partner with us together. But thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, we really couldn't do what we do here without it. So thank you so much for being with us, guys. God bless you. Have a great week.